Hello and welcome to Something Rotten, Season 4, Episode 4, We've Beat the Darkness 2. My name is Jacob Geller, I am here as always with Blake Hester, and we have a very special guest from uh, Into the Spine, the host of the Breakdown podcast, freelancer everywhere, Diego, hello! Hi, hello, happy to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Diego Arguello, I'm that writer from, from Argentina that people talk about sometimes. Uh, saying positive things sometimes on Twitter.com, thankfully. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Talking about one of the best games ever. Uh, I'm just gonna, like, introduce myself with that, yeah. If I can give a peek behind the curtain, Diego and I talk perhaps more than I talk to anyone else on the planet. And since, since I've known Diego, he has messaged me every single day and been like, hey, The Darkness 2. And I'm like, Diego, I've never played The Darkness 2. And finally, now that I have, I understand why part of your personality is the darkness, too, because I have now adopted <laughs> this as a big cornerstone of my life. So before we jump into it, question one, do you have a relationship with the darkness one, Diego? Uh, no, actually. I mean, I started with the sequel uh, like years ago, I think around launch. And I was like, what is this game? Like, why is this shooter have like tentacles at the same time as you're shooting? And there's like all of these things happening. Uh, and I play it and I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took me a while to get a PS3. Uh, and even more so, like a physical copy for the Darkness one. Uh, and when I did, I was so excited to play it. And it's rough to play nowadays. Like, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially going backwards. You know, Blake and I both had the incredible experience of starting with the rough one and then going into the Darkness 2. But starting with the darkness too, and then going backward as a rocky transition for sure. Yeah, yeah. As much as I like, I hear a lot of like great things about the story, uh, and I want to sit down and play it eventually. Like I play a couple of hours, and I got the feeling of the game. Uh, but yeah, that needs a remaster of sorts, like immediately. It's like it's like such a good story and such a good world, and the second you start moving in the game, it's like nope, nope, nope. Don't want to do this at all. Darkness 2 on the other hand. Darkness 2 on the other hand. So, uh, last last episode, Blake and I talked about the first half of The Darkness. This time, we've played all of it. We're going to talk about the whole story. We're going to get into everything else. Um, in general, Diego, is the appeal of The Darkness 2 purely mechanical for you? Or do you, like, you know, are, are you attached to the story as well? Uh, I think both. Like, I... I love that, like, back and forth with Jenny all the time. Uh, that was something I was, like, very fond of. Because I was not, like, not used to seeing that uh, on first-person shooters. Like, again, this was, like, years and years ago mm-hmm. uh, when I first played it. Uh, but that's something that stuck with me. Like, the the scene at the diner and, like, all that, the, the stuff. Or, like, in the first game, like, being in the couch. Um, and I like that sense of story and, like, that parallel between, like, A... This is like a different reality sometimes. Like, you don't know what's real and whatnot. Uh, I thought that was interesting from like a, a story standpoint. But yeah, I mean, you get like one set piece and then you're just like seeing people flying around or like thrown against the wall and you're like back again at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting rhythm, I think. Yeah, okay. So, uh, when we last left off, uh, the. Jackie's mansion had been attacked, or his, like, penthouse apartment. Um, Aunt Sarah had been killed, and we were thrown back into this asylum that he keeps returning to. Um, 
feelings about this how in the second half what'd you think about like the asylum uh it never got interesting for me it's just like cool here's here's a little here's a little loading screen you know they're they're getting the rest of the game that's not how that works obviously (laughs) but i don't know it didn't do much for me it felt like they thought it was more clever than it was i thought it was kind of cool seeing some of the characters like i finally saw the janitor that you mentioned to me last week um on that narratively i thought it was far more interesting just in the real world or when you actually like go beyond the asylum to hell i thought there was better stuff going on Mm -hmm. there i don't know i like the idea of escaping from it and i like that you and johnny the kind of you know crazy guy in the story and then nobby the janitor slash darkling are are helping you escape but i also feel like if they did this once it would have been this like really cool set piece that we talked about. And instead you go back like five times. And by the time you eventually do choose to uh, jump off the roof, the, the novelty of it has, has just kind of worn away. I couldn't get off that damn roof quick enough, man. I was trying to get out of there. (laughs) shit was annoying (laughs) me up though. After this, you go back to the house and I took the time to explore your like ransacked Uh house and even went to the places they they'll, they'll like try to stop Jackie from going to a few places, like the room where you and Aunt Sarah are killed, mm-hmm. and uh, you can go up there and explore. And they put so much work into the aftermath of this place, which was truly wild. Oh, did they really? The only thing I wrote down that if you walk into the bathroom, Butcher is there trying to stuff body parts down the toilet. And I was like, oh, I missed I him. I was like, isn't your job like getting rid of bodies? This seems like a terrible way of getting rid of bodies. <laughs> I missed him. Yeah, so I I um I decided to look around and when I went to walk upstairs, Jimmy the Grape or whoever was like, "Yeah, hey, Jackie, don't go up there. You don't want to see it." And I was like, "Come on, bro. It's a video game. That's not real." Uh so I walked up there and Sure enough, there was the room where Sarah died, and it was, you know, horrific. But you can also go in Jackie's room, and, like, the kind of weird shrine to Jenny is destroyed, and, like, there's, a, like, her shattered picture on the on the, on the the floor. Like, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, like, taking a moment to, like, look around and be like, damn, they, they kind of remade this house. And then later, when the house is sort of put back together, you can find plastered bullet holes. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. cool. It, it really, that mansion area is so kind of lovingly made and then feels like they ran out of budget a little bit you know that Mm. that it's like there's there's like one mini game where you can shoot pigeons on the roof uh with a shotgun did you do that that. i I think it it might only happen before the house is ransacked but there's like dolfo and he's like hey boss let's show these these flying rats what's what and then you can like shoot the pigeons (laughs) but that is the only like thing that that you can do at the mansion and it just seems like such a big and detailed area for yeah. for nothing to have happened. You know what I think is I think it's loosely based on Donald Trump's New York City apartment and Trump Tower. <laughs> like it oh, has no. the same feeling as that. Like even with like I think he also has like um a uh, shit painted on a ceiling. I know there's a better word for that. That's just not coming to me. I mean I feel like that's just like the it's just the rich fucker aesthetic. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think it's like specifically a Donald Trump New York aesthetic. That's very funny. Like, I think that's where they're pulling from. 
Um, and I only know what Donald Trump's apartment looks like as close personal friend of, of mine. <laughs> um, so then after that, uh, after that, you go to Aunt Sarah's funeral. That's the next big level in the game. Um, Diego, funeral, thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> How do you feel about it? I mean, is it that much of a funeral? It only lasts like, it's funny because like in the presentation, like as you're walking in, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to have like a big uh, celebration, something like that. Like, yeah, Catholics like to talk. And I think it lasts for like less than a minute before like shit goes down, basically. Um, well, I think technically it's her wake, right? The The funeral is elsewhere. We're just going to oh, bury okay, her here. Okay. Oh, I guess. Yeah. yeah. As as a as a non-Catholic who went to Catholic school, though, I did enjoy that line because um, I had to go to mass a lot as a child. And I was like, that's a funny line. They do like to talk. Um, I I like the the aesthetic of like like the kind of having the umbrellas, having it be a rainy day. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very classic kind of mafia movie type setting or max Payne, you know uh, other something rotten connections but i i do think yep. it does it well but then yeah they immediately uh blow up the wedding by having a dude shoot a rocket at you and aunt sarah literally like falls out of her coffin and then you start <laughs> you start blasting but it's like it is really it is just so kind of over the top like jackie no one's ever gonna respect him again even at his funeral they're blowing his aunt out of her coffin it's a lot a horrible thing to do to a corpse i'll tell you that much <laughs> like my god something rotten stance uh generally don't do that but don't desecrate corpses. Uh, this level like every other level in the game is really fun <laughs> I really like it. Um, I think the boss fight at the end is a little frustrating. We we had this issue yesterday um, playing mm-hmm. the co-op, but it also started really rearing its head for me in this level and then the next level, which is where the honeymoon period sort of yeah. ended for me with this game, um, where the lights, you shoot them out. That's great. Love it. But they just occasionally make them too bright to the point you can't actually see the light, and some of them are small. And there's a the boss fight is kind of kind of brought down by a van that drives up and blinds you, and I could not find the actual light source. I would just shoot at it constantly. So it's like I like the aesthetics of the level, but there was the, right about this point the game started introducing these little annoyances that started digging under my skin, and like I felt like I had to repeat this just one too many times. Yeah, I totally agree. It has these kind of like either. Either they're blinding you and so the actual sources are small but you can't see it or they're like attached to a generator elsewhere or whatever where it it just feels like you can't avoid the light. But what I do like about this level is um, previously the levels have kind of been in like uh, construction, you know, like zones and and warehouses and place where there's a lot of like industrial stuff to throw around and now it is replaced by... Uh, stuff in a graveyard to throw around and so you're like picking up concrete pots of flowers and hurling them at people or taking these like plaques off the side of 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 uh what are the little houses mausoleums Mausoleums. (laughs) not a thing that jews do um you're taking you're taking the plaques off the sides of mausoleums and using them as a shield before like slicing dudes in half and it is just that kind of like the way that the game can constantly give you just objects from the environment to throw around never stops being entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. 
um the you kill you kill the man who killed aunt sarah in this and it's one of the most brutal things i've ever seen in my life here's the thing you quad wield this man Mm -hmm. you you take one tentacle to the right side of his chest one to the left you tear him open i guess what it would that be like kind of like a vivisection where you pull back the yep. flesh and leave the organs intact and then jackie takes his little human hands his little phalanges reaches in there for reasons a little uncharacteristic like out of character for him and just rips the man's heart out <laughs> with his hand and looks at his beating heart for a bit it's truly gross it is a gross moment it's very it's very uh indiana jones in the temple of doom you know just like and i guess i guess it serves to show oh you know he really had a personal vendetta against this guy um but it does represent a big change from the darkness one whereas we talked about even the biggest bosses just kind of died like men you know they would just yeah. you just kind of shoot them and they'd fall over and in this it's like no they're getting like super villain deaths it's it's also like a bit of a narrative climax for the game halfway through because even the final boss jackie is not going that hard over yeah i totally agree like i i mean like definitely jackie has more story he needs to do for the rest of the game but i think he actually kind of gets the revenge he truly wants at like the halfway point which is a little narratively messy yes um diego i guess i want to get your perspective on so this podcast in general is is Blake and I talking about these games that are generally kind of uh, wriggling around in gore and viscera and violence, you know, like they are often uh, over the top and indulgent in these ways. And I guess, like, do you do you also find that interesting in games? You know, do you seek it out? Do you avoid it? <laughs> what is your relationship with things like? jackie ripping a guy's chest open oh i thought it was i mean again it was like years ago i thought it was like incredible at the time uh and i was like i think that was like the, the moment that clicked for me of being like um uh, i mean i have been using like the the anaconda thing with the dark links like a thousand times already by that point um but seeing that cutscene was like wow i never expected to like see something like this like in a game before uh and now seeing like i, I think it's time to play it again uh but i was watching a long play on youtube um and seeing the, the scene again which i didn't remember like exactly how it went down uh i was like this is still cool like, i mean it's it's awful <laughs> yeah. and it's disgusting uh but i don't remember like any other game doing like something like this um and it's like you can see that they went in on the details for the like the inside of his chest mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. perhaps to like unnecessarily like levels of detail <laughs> Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, I mean, it's, uh, I play Manhunt as well. Like, uh, I remember like, uh, specifically looking for like the, the uncensored version, mm-hmm. uh, back when, like mm-hmm. for PC. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like I'm drawn out, like I, I found them interesting, even if they're like sometimes a bit, I don't know, silly things. Uh, but I don't know, I'm often charmed by that spectacle sometimes like i yeah i I can't help it i think i think like if something rotten's undercurrent is re-examining our thoughts on violence in video games but also sometimes we get a moment like this in the darkness too we're like it's just fucking fun jackie Uh (laughs) you know like when tarantino (laughs) said that one time 
It is. I mean, put this put this in that montage that they showed Donald Trump of violent video games. <laughs> oh man, we got to talk about that one day. I think <laughs> I've been bru- sitting on that for years. Diego, the mere fact that you played Manhunt and maybe Manhunt Two, if you were looking for the like uncensored version, I feel like speaks to the fact that it's like those games are are not fun and so like playing them i think belies a certain just like curiosity with the subject matter that goes beyond just game feels good to play yeah especially back then like uh it was like the time where i was like really like getting some games like i had my own pc uh i had my own pc for like a couple of years uh by that point uh yeah it was just like on that search of like okay let's see what's out there uh and i don't want to like lie but i think i must have been like that kind of like edgy teenager looking for like oh the most violent games on pc on youtube something like that i mean like, okay i gotta play this and i gotta play this and i gotta play this um and yeah i mean if i picked up uh i mean you two can speak more of this uh but if i pick up like manhunt 2 uh nowadays i'll probably be like yeah this sucks to like actually play. <laughs> yeah we, uh, we, we agree <laughs> it does suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even more so that, I don't know, like, the Darkness one. Like, the Darkness one has, like, a naming problem. Uh, you just can't get that aim right. Um, but, yeah, for, for Manhunt and such, I don't know. Uh, I don't even think that the story itself would, like, grab me. It's like, oh, yeah, Fight Club, cool, yeah. Uh, I actually got to see that movie afterwards, so, yeah, I know what, what what's up here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, um, yeah, I don't know, like, I... I play stuff like, I don't know, like Hatred, and I was like, yeah, this is just boring. Um, but I, I always, like, try and, like, I don't know, like, play them and see see what's up. If they have, like, anything to say or, like, even if the spectacle itself is, like, interesting in some way. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's I think we are both, Blake and I both certainly Googled something like most violent video games. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I looked up those like like watch oh, mojos yeah. top five grossest game deaths or whatever. I still I still do it for movies. I'm not afraid to admit to be a 28 year old man still doing that with my <laughs> time. I don't do it for games because I, I just know them mm-hmm. now. But, you know, I, I got every now and then got to go to watch mojo, see what's going on in the cinema world for, with violence. That's right. They they ask you to write those articles now on the top five most violent games. They should. They'd be better lists if I wrote them. But that's neither here nor there. Um, OK, so you you go through this graveyard, you kill the man who has uh, has killed on Sarah, and then you go after the rest of the cult, which brings you to a locale that I was very excited about when we got there because I wrote a carnival exclamation point. It's like, I man, I fucking love carnival levels. Uh, It's such a fun setting and it starts fun. And I guess before the gameplay starts at all, we get, we get a couple more Jenny flashbacks, right? Because you're yeah. walking along the carnival. You see her. She's kind of like beckoning you to come under under the boardwalk and stuff. And then you even do some like, I feel like it's the easiest thing in the world for these games to be like, you're used to shooting people. But what if there was a carnival shooting game? Uh, and so you do a shooting game and you try to win Jenny a big blue bear. And I won it. 
That's all I need to know about that. I like these moments. Like, I don't know. It, Darkness not a particularly smart or deep game, but I do like that there is time spent further fleshing out Jenny and Jackie's relationship. Like, there is a, it's easy to imagine a world where the Darkness 2 just came out and that story was completely stripped out in, like, exchange for, like, really good gameplay. But, like, there's considerable time and thought here spent behind, like, adding more to Jenny and Jackie's relationship, even posthumously, that, like, I appreciated. I think they're the highlight of this level, which I actually think is, like, the worst level in the game. I'm, I have mixed feelings about it, as I did in the previous episode, which is that mm-hmm. I'm glad there's more time with Jenny. I do feel like in these, she could just kind of be like any woman. You know, the the idea of her being like, hey, Jackie, can you win me the big bear? Doesn't seem particularly specific to like who we know Jenny to be. It's just kind of like, hey, you know what? You go sure. to a fair and your girlfriend wants you to win a prize um but the section that i actually like much more especially because it's kind of it's kind of blending the two realities is when you go on that haunted ride i forgot about that yeah that was other than it being janky as hell for me it was really cool (laughs) you ever been on one of these rides in real life either of you no no i I mean, I'm curious about them, but no, I never had the chance. I've driven through the backwoods of Kentucky before, which is like this in real life. <laughs> That's right. I love, uh, I love the state fair. I have gone on some, uh, some theoretically haunted rides, and I guess I've been on the one at Disney World, the the haunted mansion or whatever. Let me tell you, this is so much scarier and so much better than any of those where they have like actual corpses being like sawed apart in the ride and like hands reaching out of the walls and stuff also people shooting you that's right which is yeah gonna be scarier than the (laughs) real one in raleigh state fair that's right um but what i did think was interesting about this is that usually if jenny is around you don't have your guns out and this is like the one time in the game Mm. where like Jenny is theoretically sitting next to you this whole ride, but you are still, I mean, I was like dual wielding SMGs and like popping dudes when they jumped out from behind the ride scenery. And I just thought it was kind of an interesting like meshing of the sentimental moments with the, you know, gunplay that we're used to. It's not like also like the game kind of ruins the moment by having Jenny being like, oh, why are you shooting? Or like, uh, who are all of these people? It's like, it's still part of the ride for her. Oh, I never really liked that detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you all get the same voice clip from Jenny repeatedly? The same scream for her the entire trip, though? Oh, that's interesting. I don't think so. I But maybe I didn't notice. There was one sound clip of her screaming, and that was the only one that played for me oh, every single really time funny. a jump scare happened. No. It was, it was a bit annoying. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I did have some more. Uh, we talked about, the, the look, it's boring to talk about glitches, but I got so stuck under the boardwalk on the geometry that I had to, like, Google stuck on geometry darkness <laughs> and, like, multiple people had had this, and the only way to fix it was like shifting it from full screen to windowed or whatever and so like there are oh, some problems weird. playing it on modern hardware blake you couldn't launch it for uh for yeah, near the end it's true i had to uninstall and reinstall it last night just to get it to work yeah uh, 
And even then, the ending got a little janky for me. Like, the final boss had issues with loading in the enemies, because they kind of come in waves. Mm -hmm. And, like, after I would kill a wave, there would be a solid, like, 30 seconds where I would just have to, like, sit in an empty room waiting for them to come back. I remember having that problem, yeah. And that was, like, years ago. So Interesting, mm. yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to learn Digital Extremes didn't do much post-launch support on this thing. Because like 11 years later, you're still running into stuff like that. But it, it's, it is what it's, it is. It's a shame just because, as we talked about, it's like the beginning of this game is so polished. Where like every the, the pacing of everything is just so kind of perfectly breakneck. That then at the end, when you get the sense that these last levels just did not get the same level of shine, it doesn't, you know, I, I let me ask you this. From the first half to the second half, what was your kind of like uh, experience? You know, your emotional roller coaster with the game was it was it consistent or did it rise or did it fall? What'd you feel? I mean, the carnival was where I was like, I'm not having fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that sucked because the first half, you know, we played these games, or at least I did, in two chunks. Like the first half, just sat, played the whole thing, then played the second half, the whole thing, nonstop. And the first half was just, like, smitten. No real complaints, other than it was too short. The second half was a bit more peaks and valleys for me. Like, um, I struggled a bit with the cemetery level, the carnival level. We can talk about, like, there were a few specific things in that that just made it such a fucking headache for me. And then after that, like, by the time we get into the later levels and the Estacado house, like, I was starting to have fun again. Um, I also... Uh, just dropped the difficulty down to easy during the carnival level and never moved it back mm-hmm. up. You know, I was like, well, I just needed to blast through that one level, but I'm just going to leave it here because now it's like a crazy power trip for me and it feels really good. So I just left it there. That might have shaded it. But I would definitely say, and this is true of a lot of games, uh, the front half was kind of the stronger portion for me overall. Diego, what about you? Yeah, I think it falls into that, like going back to that example with the lights. Uh, it falls into that video game trap of like, yeah, we have to like make, on one end, make like enemies stronger, like add them like, they have like these like skin shield or whatever it's called. They have like their own shields as well. And they have like bigger weapons or whatnot. Uh, you have like all of these like bullet sponges type enemies like showing up like more and more often. Uh, and you have like, yeah, we, we're now like introducing like bigger lights that you can like actually like get around unless you like go and find a generator or something like that and it's like yeah i get why but kind of like again like that novelty starts to wear off uh and it becomes frustrating like the first time you're like shooting like light bulbs or something like that on the street it's fun it's like it's cool uh and then it's just like yeah there's like too much going on um and even if like i don't know like dual wielding weapons is fun uh, once you get the hang of like the using the tentacles at the same time, uh, it's a good mix. Uh, but I don't think it's like like the response from the enemies is not uh, doesn't quite match. I think the, that experience. Uh, so yeah, I'm not surprised that you like like turning the game down too easy, uh, finding like more more enjoyable at the time. Um, I'm pretty sure that I was stubborn back then, and I I must have played in normal or hard. Uh, and that was, like, back when I was, like, yeah, I'm just going to, like, repeat this level until I beat it. Uh, no other side probably wouldn't bother at all. I, 
at this point in my life, if I if I die like two times in a row in a game, I'm like, all right, switching that down to easy and not worrying about. But something you brought up was my major issue with um, the carnival level, and it's the lights in it. That was like my big hangup is there's these big lights that surround the level, but it's not always immediately clear where they are. And so they'll funnel in like 10 enemies at a time. And you need to be evading or rushing in, but you can't always find the light source. And so a lot of the time I was just spent craning the camera. I'm like, where the fuck is this light on the edge of the level that I need to shoot? And by the time I could find it, you know, I'm dead. And it's like the game did a much better job compared to Darkness 1 of making the lights easily accessible and also easy to shoot out. Like part of the rhythm of this game, I think is like shooting guys and lights in the same clip like just you know like it felt very fluid and this level felt like the darkness one where it's like i have to now spend dedicated time shooting lights out and it just grinds it to a halt yeah and you're you're looking straight up and so you're like running into enemies and you can't yeah i think the the point about the kind of specialized enemies is good as well and this is it's one of these just kind of interesting game difficulty things that i almost you know it's like when you're playing Bayonetta, what are the most fun enemies to fight? They're, like, the weakest dudes that you can do anything to. Because they're the ones that you can, like, launch super quickly. You can, you know, do backflips on. You can you can hit three of them with one attack. And as they start introducing more enemies, it, like, ups the complexity. But it feels like your toolbox isn't as useful because, like, the things that you do don't affect them that much and so especially when you have those guys with with whips that come in and they like steal your weapons but also they just have so much health that it feels like all of the fun things that your darkness tentacles and whatever can do are just ineffective um and this carnival i i think it gets better after the carnival but this level really Mm -hmm. kind of there were sections where i like I only had a shotgun. Like, the checkpoint just loaded me in with mm-hmm. a shotgun. And it was like, I can't get close enough to anyone to, like, do anything, you know? And I can't... They're not giving me things to throw at them. I think that's, also, that's like, a design issue of this game. And it's highlighted by the whip guys. Is like, the game can never decide where it actually wants you to be in relation to the enemies. And, like, I understand certain enemies will need different proximities to kill them. But it's like... You might have an enemy, uh, a whip enemy who's better to take down at a distance, but he's standing next to two enemies you need to be up close at, like, fighting. And so it's like, okay, so where am I supposed to stand? Because the whip guy will steal my gun, but, like, also I need to rush in towards him, which means I lose my gun, and now there are three other guys around him I can't get to. So it's like, it feels like this. they never quite got the right, like, mix, mix match of, like, how to actually approach multiple different types of enemies at once yeah which is like something like the doom games kind of solved which is like just be in the face of every single enemy all the time yeah but also i mean it's like yeah doom is so kind of it's so beautifully specific with like okay Mm -hmm. you know you got you got the floating demons there is a really effective way to kill them you've got the pinkies right. you know you have to get behind them you've got and it's like every enemy has kind of like this is the thing i need to do 
And in this is like, well, the thing I need to do with all of them is just shoot them. So it's like, but 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 it's just still felt like one strategy was not working for everything. I think a lot of issues with the second half of this game would have been solved by not having the whip guys in it. Yeah. Honestly, like like they're a major pain. Yeah. They're I mean, they're cool conceptually, but mm-hmm. when you actually have to fight them, it's no good. Um so you you get this, you go all the way um through the carnival. There is there's a there's a moment that I do it's like even within this level that we kind of dislike there's there's some good funny stuff there's a part where you have to open a garage so your darkling can drive a big gas truck through uh (laughs) through the thing yeah what's very funny is like you see it and it's like oh it's a big like truck full of gas so obviously this is going to blow up and what happens is you open it the darkling drives through the gate not blowing up and then there are a couple enemies that are like, what was that? And they poke their head in there, and then there's a huge explosion. And it's like, it's still got that good kind of silly comic book timing. And one of the the bodies flies directly at you at just the right oh, moment yeah, that's right. to be like, to add an extra yeah. laugh. Like, yeah, that was a very good moment. Um, but eventually, you get captured by this, uh, th- this mean cult leader dude again, and he puts you in an Iron Maiden, um, because... This game, yeah, uh, we've been crucified, and now we're being Iron Maidened. I had a weird existential moment watching this scene where I started to visualize what it'd truly be like to be in an Iron Maiden right before it closed. I had nothing deeper to say on it. It just I started thinking about it. It gave me a weird rush of anxiety imagining Jackie in that moment being like, what would you do if you were in that situation? Fellas, I'm opening the floor up to you. What would you do? Would That's you a feel? real, like, <laughs> like weird... what would you do if you saw this? <laughs> it weirdly stuck with me more than a lot more of this game story. Maybe not weirdly. This game story is not the best. But, like, it stuck with me thinking about, like, man, it'd be crazy to be in an Iron Maiden. And the second before that thing closes. Because did, did it kill you immediately? Or was it one of those, like, crucifixion things where it's, like, it's the worst pain you'll ever be in, but you'll also be alive for, like, an hour? Well, uh, I actually, I do, I know some history about um, Iron Maidens. Namely mm, that um, they they are fake. Like, they they were never used. Um, it was, what? it was, like, almost completely. There were things that are a little similar but like the fact is yeah there are no iron maidens that exist that were made prior to the 1800s so it was just kind of like people being like uh hey medieval history was fucked up look at this thing but they actually just like made that thing um so and i think part of that's part of the reason that if you think about it it's like i guess they are made up is exactly what you asked which is like this thing is so complex to just kill someone immediately. You know, it's like, it's yeah. not really a torture device because you would just die if you were put in one. Or would you, though? Because, like, I mean, obviously it hit you. If it was hitting you in the brain or heart, you would die. But also, like, the way it works is you would not bleed because you just have spikes stuck in you. You'd have to open it back up and pry the people out just to, like, let... I mean, eventually you'd probably die of, like, shock or, like, blood clots, but you would be alive if it missed vitals. I, I mean, I think there's also maybe the kind, and this is, like, there are other torture things that are similar to this, which is, like, if they left enough room for you to stand, 
it would be that kind of mm. thing of like, oh, maybe they're not actually piercing you, but you have to stand perfectly still. And after, you know, like a yeah. couple hours of that, that becomes torture in itself. A Sunday Rotten bonus episode we're going to do is just Googling Spanish Inquisition torture devices and just <laughs> looking those up for a little while. <laughs> I do think it's it's a perfect device for this game, which is, you know, completely right. over the top and, and loves to just kill Jackie in in various yeah. ways. Um, but during this, there's actually a pretty cool monologue moment. Um, did, did either of you kind of note this where Jackie's doing his monologue? He's saying, Hey, they're, they're going to come at me with everything they got They're They got nothing. But then like, there's a light that appears on the side of the screen, like someone like opening a door and he like looks behind him and then he's in the asylum again. And I thought it was a very cool like right, breaking yeah. convention moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but then you're in the damn asylum. That's, that's true. I think like I think there's uh, there's a point I and I don't know if it might have been a mix of things. Like obviously I'd played on easy. I was playing on easy for the last level, last two levels of this game, which just makes it a fucking power trip. But also the skill trees are really good in this game. The upgrades are really mm-hmm. good. And I, I, I'm kind of moving past the asylum. Oh, that's Sorry. fine. I don't remember anything interesting happening until the next asylum, I think. Um, that the level in Jackie's house was such an awesome trip for me. Like, I had unlocked the black yeah. hole, which is somehow better than the first game where you like enemies will just drop black holes and then you can grab them and launch them across a level at people. And there's like a good explosion effect at the end of a black hole and the bodies go flying out. Like the last section of this game was so fun for me. And I think like the game does a good job of like, if you're actually taking the time to invest in the skills and everything, like there is actually a good ramp up of power and like different, like, abilities you can get that make it like a bit of a spectacle even just in like normal ass oh, fights yeah. like some of the last big encounters of this i was like holy shit this mm-hmm. rules and it was like not a set piece at all it was just a normal like engagement yep. i i agree i think you know it was almost i like when games uh don't let you do everything on a skill tree you know it, it's it's fun to kind of make choices yeah but the final unlock on basically everything was so appealing sounding like one that i never got enough points for was just like all pistol and smg bullets explode like that was that was (laughs) one of them and i was like fuck i might play new game plus just so i can like get that that upgrade um but the black holes are great i really like the just kind of gun boosting one did you use that one Mm. where it's like Yeah, yeah yeah for a while it essentially gives you like bottomless clips and and uh very powerful bullets and so if you're like dual wielding smgs and you hit that you can just hold down the trigger for like 15 seconds and and just kind of like demolish a room and it again it's the thing where in the darkness one you would have these crazy cutscenes, and then the game would not let you do that and in the darkness two, they mm-hmm. seem really attached to letting you do the cool things that you see in the cutscenes. yeah there's a really great one with the um, the grapple mechanic where you tear a dude up and he gives you, you get like a darkness shield from it, which you can then throw and slice, which was really fun. Um, also, like, you see this later in Doom games with the grapple, there are actually like ammo and health 
you can get mm-hmm. ammo and health to that, which is like an awesome kind of trick. Like the carnival level notwithstanding, and the whip guy notwithstanding, like I do like how often this game would remind me of, you know, the Doom games, which would come a few years later, where it's like, yeah, I do want to be rushing up. I don't want to be hiding. A lot of the Darkness 1 is like hiding behind like shitty corners and cover. And a lot of the Darkness 2 is like, I'm getting right up in these idiots' faces because I can get health and ammo from them if I <laughs> slice them in half. It really is a proto-glory kill. I would love to know if yeah. if anyone at id like actually explicitly brought up the darkness or if it is just simply good game design and like that's why that's why yeah. they did it um okay well here actually before before we get to the end um and kind of the the last the last bits of story um i want to ask uh diego you a question which is last episode we were kind of talking about like what we thought there was a there was a lot of conversation about kind of like what the darkness represents because in in this game specifically it, there there are some lines at the beginning where Jackie is really treating the darkness like an addiction or like something he's kind of in recovery from or whatever where he's like he doesn't want to use it and then he uses it and he understands that it's like uh, you know changing his personality or whatever when you first played these or now did it do you have you thought about kind of like the darkness as a as a metaphor as an analogy you know something like that i back then no uh looking at the gameplay now uh maybe i think the problem is i don't think the the game story uh can actually like withstand something like that i guess uh, we like like the constant back and forth and like um, all of those places where it just falls short. Um, so yeah, I I don't think I wouldn't give it that merit. I think um, because I I think especially like towards the la- the la- the second half and like the later end of the story, uh, it just goes down like the fantasy aspect of the darkness uh, when it introduces like the angels and such. Um, so yeah, no, I. I haven't actually thought about that. I mean, it's interesting. I would like to, like, actually see the first half again uh, to get that context for that. Um, but, yeah, it's not... It's definitely not something that came to mind sure. when I first played I think the Darkness one is, like, definitely a smarter game, a better written game, like, more interesting to kind of think about. I think at its most bare bones, like, my takeaway of the story, beyond, like, this is what happened from point A to point B, is, like, their game's about losing control, which is, like, we talked about in the previous episode, which is, like, conceptually interesting to me as someone who, like, has kind of a weird fear around losing control. But I also agree with Diego that I don't necessarily think The Darkness 2 is saying anything all that deep. No. And that's fine. Like, I, I this is, the, the design and mechanics of this game I'm far more interested in engaging with than a lot of the story beats yeah i guess i was a little i mean generally i was i was a little disappointed by the second half and part of it was just that the levels got kind of frustrating but i do feel like it 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 kind of lost what it was doing because in those first even just like 15 minutes i i was actually really invested in kind of what are they saying about the darkness what does it mean to jackie but then essentially the whole back half of this game is it gets taken away from you and then you have to get it back and then you kind of get it back but not really and then you finally get it back and you like 
use it to kill yourself. Um, and, and like, none of that works with any of the kind of, like, metaphorical stuff that we had talked about. You know, it's like, if the darkness represents, you know, an addiction of some kind, then I have no idea what it would be saying about, like, oh, someone took it away from me, and now I have to get it back but now i can like use it <laughs> yeah. you know it just like it doesn't it doesn't track so diego i do i do think yeah. you're correct in kind of like ultimately absolutely it just feels like the end of the end of the game is so much more comic book storytelling than than the, i mean the beginning's ridiculous too but but i there was potential at the beginning and i i think it kind of went unrealized i i I do actually, though, really like the the despair of the post credit stinger. Um, I think that's actually pretty fun. That's that's good. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll get there. Um, there is there is a little bit. So Jackie's trapped in this Iron Maiden. Uh, you have another section where you control the Darkling, uh, and you run around, and it's kind of a stealth section. It's whatever. It's it's kind of the platinum games thing of like they invented the most fun combat system of all time and then they're making me not do that <laughs> combat system <laughs> oh my god dude i had i don't even know if it was a bug or just the game had a weird quirk in it but i had the most annoying thing happen to me so towards the end of this level with the darkling um you um you ha- you have to th- they're the guys with big lights walking around the levels and you can go through these little like uh, pathways. I don't know what you call them, little crawly spaces. And uh, I got caught between two guys with lights. So I was like, okay, I'll just hide in the little pathway here and they'll eventually go back to their routing. Um, and they never did. And they were on both <laughs> ends of it and they just never moved. And I had to reload a checkpoint. Oh, see, that's good AI. They're smart. <laughs> that, I mean, I guess that's fair, but I could not, I literally couldn't progress so with the funny. game, so I had to reload a checkpoint. I thought it was very funny that um, at the beginning of the section, I was like, oh, I've got to sneak up behind them. I'll do my little throat pull. But actually, if they see you, you can just run up to them and kill them also. So it's it's kind of like an illusion yeah. of a stealth section, but you don't really have to play it like a stealth section. <laughs> The da- the Darkling is also fast as shit, so I just ran through a lot of the level. Like occasion, like the first half, the second half, you kind of can't really run through. You have to be a lot more, you have to be a lot smarter once the light bulb men show up. But that first half, like they'll shoot at you, but they can't really yeah. keep up with you. So I just zipped through there, getting to where I needed to go. I think I think the Darkling feels fun to move around. Like it just has a satisfying speed to him. The levels just are not great yeah there i just i wish he had like two more things he could do you know maybe if you could yeah, like throw, like something. Could throw wow. something exactly you put us on that game design um anyway great minds then the thing happens that blake you had been you were hoping would not happen in the first episode which is that they do take away your darkness powers you free jackie from the iron maiden yeah. uh, but he's had the darkness sucked away by by this big evil guy but i don't think it's that bad because they uh i don't they either give you a, an 1887 uh which is the most fun shotgun to use in any video game they give you the strongest shotgun in video game history and i was like all right you know what i don't need the darkness <laughs> it's really, anymore it's this really that awesome. unpatched call of duty modern warfare 2 1887 you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was awesome like i was really bummed until jackie was like 
let's go. And I was like, all right, I'm in. Also, playing on easy means you could shoot these dudes in the big toe, and it was still a one-hit kill on them. Uh, I did write down here, I don't care about Jackie's dad. Um, (laughs) The other thing that the story starts doing is this strange thing with Jackie's dad, where it was like he was a darkness scholar, and you're like in his kind of in his study that's where you get the 1887 and it's just kind of like it's like so what you know maybe maybe this is the kind of thing where we'll get to clearly they thought they were going to have a darkness three and so maybe there would have been some more in this but the only interesting part of it that that came out of the whole storyline is there's one jackie monologue where he talks about waking up and seeing his dad stand over him with like a butcher's knife with kind of the idea being like his dad was probably thinking about if he ended the bloodline then the darkness would also die and i thought that was an interesting concept but that's that was just a monologue and that's kind of it um it it, i guess like it's trying to pull from what it was doing with your great-grandfather in the beginning yeah. of the game or the first game which was like mildly interesting but like you never meet the dad and his whole story's allocated to like a minute and a half yeah total. and it's that's like it's not really going anywhere kind of like the addiction metaphor it's like well you could if you tried really hard make this about like generational trauma or something but it's like the game just isn't interested enough to like give that the space to to mean anything so what you get is just kind of like oh jackie had a dad and jackie's dad also had the darkness i wonder diego if you can speak to this at all or not i don't don't think either jacob or i could like if you read the comics would it be a richer experience at all with some of those like do you think like if you read the comics you'd be like oh you know i got the i i know what the deal with the dad is okay got it understood or if it's just like not gonna do much for you there either like maybe we should have read the comics also time is limited and fleeting diego have you read them i mean i it's funny that you ask out because i try like i got like a few copies of it uh but they were translated to spanish and the thing is uh it was like around the time i was like used to like consuming everything i could in english uh and i was like okay i'm willing to like meet them halfway because i just like i got the physical copies and i like the illustrations and i wanted to know more about the story uh but like the firm or company or whatever that does those translations over here add a lot of like or slang into it and i was just i could not get past like issue number one uh so no i i never read them like i was like no i do not need like i know this story is probably like just almost as silly as this translation is like portraying it uh with like the kind of language that you will speak and that you actually get to see in the game uh, but i was like yeah no this is just like too much for me like i cannot handle that seeing like words that my friends in high school use uh worrying yeah. about the darkness and like interesting no, thank you uh a bit of blake hester lore here for for the for the panel so my dad was a comic artist in the 90s um not 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 for anything notable um but he so he has like yeah that's right he's the inventor of garfield believe it or not that's why i fucking (laughs) look like garfield (laughs) 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 it's not gonna play to anyone who doesn't know what i look like but um 
he he like so he was really into the image stuff i'm gonna be at their house like week after next i'm gonna see if i can find some old issues maybe oh, i'll like cool. send you iphone pictures jacob and we could talk about that's some of awesome. the stuff in the comics i'm sure he has some because he was like really into this stuff and drawing similar comics back in the day so i'll, I'll take a peek it's yeah you know you you wonder because there are like the one kind of collectible in this game is there are these darkness relics where it's like, oh, here's, like, the skull of someone or, like, this crystal ring. Yeah. And those could just be something they totally made up for the game, or it could be from the comics, and I just don't know, and there's not really any, like, lore attached to them within the game. They're just these things that you pick up and it gives you points. And, like, again, to be yeah. clear, I think it's the right decision because I don't want this game to slow yeah. down. <laughs> And it already does in too many occasions. Um, So you, there is another kind of weird half boss fight here where um, the big evil guy has kind of given the darkness to someone else. There's there's like this henchman guy who's like, come on, give me it. I can handle it. Give me the darkness. And finally, he's like, yeah, Yeah. here you go. Have have the darkness. And you fight him. And it's just kind of nothing. and it feels like the game should be throwing some big set pieces at you. And instead, these last couple levels are just kind of running through a series of rooms. Yeah, didn't we talk about it in the first issue that at some point Digital Extremes was like entirely pulled off this game to work on Bioshock 2's multiplayer? Maybe makes the back half make a little sense. Well, I think I think they had like barely started. I think they did most of the development oh, okay. of that. Like they were, they were in kind of like pre-production uh, when when they were pulled. But yes, I do think they just ran out of money, kind of. And they, you know, they even talked yeah. about in those interviews. They were like, "Yeah, we had plans that we didn't, you know, didn't get to do." Um, yeah. And then there's just kind of a there's just kind of the last level. Well, here, okay, let's talk about the thing at. No, I'm I'm remembering the order here. Okay, there's the last level where you were in Jackie's, you know, dad's mansion or whatever, and you're just kind of running through. I do think it's a very fun level, uh, just kind of in terms Absolutely. of shooting people with guns and throwing things at them. Uh, it's a really, it's a really exciting part of the game. I I agree. Uh, there's a fight in, I don't know what you call that, like, uh, if it's the big dining mm-hmm. room or living room, there's just a fight in a big-ass room, um, which has, like, smartly placed light sources where that you can't get around, but they're not also intrusive, so it's like, okay, kind of avoid the middle, you have to play the perimeters, there are people up top, there are people jumping down at you, like, very good. A black hole in that room, most fun you can have as a, as a little man, I'll tell you what, it ruled. <laughs> um... And it all builds to the boss fight against, uh, you know, the the outsider from the <laughs> Dishonored games, who's, who's weirdly in this game. Uh, and that's fine, too, I guess. But it's kind of like this big fight through the hallways in the dining room where I think this level fucking whips ass. Yeah, it's I always know a game's combat is really hitting for me if I'm like, I wish this had like an infinite tower mode. Like, I wish I could just go yeah. into, like, this mm. would just give me, like, waves in an arena. I would love to do that. Um, and Blake and I tried the multiplayer, which you might hope is that, uh, but in fact, it is not. Um, you can't quad-wield in the no. multiplayer. Like, I don't even think we need to talk about it beyond that. You can't, can't quad-wield. Wield, so it's only, it's 
mediocre at uh, best. <laughs> Online, though, still working, which is a bit surprising. Online's still working. Uh, you can see all of the uh, offensive caricatures that they let you play as in that mode. Um, good that it's not in the main game, I think. Um, the, and the final boss is this pretty disappointing, just like, the guy just kind of teleports from one place to another and you shoot him. Like, it's it's kind of nothing. Um, but then... He has an interesting mechanic where he, like, you have to swipe with the darkness tentacles in the direction of his attack, which I thought was kind of cool. He'll, he has, like, projectiles that come at you either horizontally or vertically, and you have to swipe at you them. You know, I, I killed him so quickly that I did not even notice that was a thing. <laughs> Yeah. Really? Oh, I thought that was cool. I really <laughs> no, like that. That sounds attack. cool, but no, when he, when he popped up, I would just put my, like, super darkness gun energy on and do uh, a wheel, and, yeah, like, yeah. and, like, a third of his health bar was gone. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but then you grab the darkness, uh, I don't know, scepter, whatever all the darkness is in, and you kill yourself with it. Oh, no. Believe it or not, Jackie Estacado going to hell. Jackie Estacado's going to hell, which is another kind of like, much like in the first game, it is this kind of plot point of, oh, you think the darkness might be in control, but in fact, Jackie's in control and he goes to hell. But first, he goes to the asylum and they offer a... Uh, an actual different ending. Oh, yeah. What happens if you... Stay with Ginny. Um, Diego, do you remember this? Where uh, where you're on the rooftop and you get the choice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically just like... Uh, it's kind of like you repeat the like the dance from the diner scene, but they like inside the asylum. It's like they make space for you and you like dance with Ginny. Uh, with Jenny. And yeah, you basically just like... You have like that one moment with her and the grace roll. And that's it. Um, I don't remember... If the game, like, tells you anything of, like, hey, you should, like, go back for, like, the actual ending or something, uh, yeah. I think it just ends. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very it's very much a just kind of, like, intentionally hollow ending, you know? It's, like, you don't get to play that whole level in hell because the game just ends. Also, it is weird that Jenny theoretically works there, and then she's like, yeah, Jackie, we'll be together if you <laughs> don't jump, but I guess... I guess if you have a patient who's going to jump, uh, you might just say things to them. Also, if you're just a figment of the darkness's creation, you can kind of bend the rules of the Hippocratic Oath. And That's true. She doesn't have to act in a super ethical way. Um, but the the true ending of the game is instead you jump off the roof of the asylum, you die once again, uh, and you're in hell. And this is where we see this thing that we very briefly saw uh on the previous episode and Blake you were like I think Jenny's crucified um the most comic book character design the game gets is with Jenny in these last couple minutes because she is wearing just like a white ripped shroud and she's like crucified on this big it's toilet thing. paper. And it's it's this stupid thing of like, well, she's supposed to look tortured, but also like really sexy, you know? And it's just it it's I was really uh I I found I found this part uh almost impossible to emotionally connect to. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh it's stupid. It's full nineties comic book. Um that said, 
the hallways you have to run through where they just send waves of hell spawn at you. It's pretty, pretty fun. fun. They make new guns for hell that have like hell yeah. names, uh, which I think is yeah. is pretty fun. Um, and then there's this final thing where you have to um, you have to rip away the kind of like binds that are holding Jenny. Um, and then uh, Diego, you referenced uh, you referenced Angelus a little earlier. So do you want to you want to tell us what happens in the like after credits scene? Oh, like the, the, the actual like ending of the oh, game? Oh, yeah, I guess because there is that one first where she comes down and just says, like, thank you, Jackie, and you hug. You know, so that's that's what happens before credits. But then after credits, there's this big other thing that happens. Yeah, and it's like, oh, Shani actually is like, not also, but part, I think, of the Angelus itself. Uh, or herself or them. No, themselves, sorry. Uh, they, they refer to them as, as we... Uh, and you see like this, which again falls into that trope because it's like you see like, like this awesome design at first, uh, but the first thing that like the first uh, thing that the camera shows you is like her ass. Oh basically. yeah, Dora. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, in like for like solid five seconds. It's a very like Kojima camera direction of just linger on the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like kind of like touch themselves as they're like saying like, "Oh yeah, I'm finally free," and it's like, "Okay, fine." Um, and yeah, I, this is the the moment that uh, again many many years ago, uh, I got kind of mad seeing it again now. Uh, got me like, "Where's the darkness tree?" Uh, and that led to like all of these tweets that I've been doing since because it's just like they have like this brief chat uh and they're like oh i'm not gonna fight you like shaggy says i'm not gonna fight you it's like yeah i'm not even like who like what what like what do you think i'm gonna give you a chance or something like that uh and they just basically like fly off and leave shaggy inside hell uh and he screams and the game ends and you see the darkness to title uh and yeah yeah he gives a big a big movie just like no it's like a weirdly despairing ending where it's like you did all this and it was for nothing <laughs> like she it, it was you you lost jackie like it's a huge moment to just a bury at halfway at the end of the credits i truly hate post-credit stingers and this is like before the mcuification of everything uh it's a huge moment to just be like everything you did was kind of for nothing like jenny is gone and you are stuck in hell like it's a fucking crazy yeah. moment and uh consider me now a part of the darkness three crew we gotta we gotta get this going no especially if they were as you two are saying like they introduced like hell and they introduced like these new weapons and it's like probably like the most fun uh 15 or 20 minutes of like that second half and then it just yeah. ends it's like there's nothing else here like if you want yeah. you have like new game plus and you have to like play the game again uh and that's it it's like okay but were they planning to do something more with all of this at some point like it's just like the angelus uh design itself aside from like the, the camera shots uh it's like it seems like too much work went into it to like not to like show it for like th like one shortcut mm -hmm. and nothing yeah. else yeah, and yeah. the I, they programmed the, they programmed j jiggle physics on this thing, which is a surprising <laughs> yeah. thing to learn. 
that was in the game <laughs> until after the credits. So it's like they clearly had plans for a Darkness Three. You don't make jiggle physics for nothing. Um, in one of in one of the interviews that I read the game director or you know someone attached to the darkness 2 was like oh yeah there's a version of the darkness 3 that's the biggest game ever made that like i'm sure you know lot lots of game directors could probably say that about unmade games but you do think about like this this game largely based on earth and then in the last few minutes goes to hell teases heaven if the third game is fully just, like, heaven and hell, you know, if if it goes full kind of, like, biblical stories, which, which the darkness as a force uh, is, you know, theoretically very connected to, like, God, uh, because, <laughs> because whatever, um, you know, that would be awesome. And I would love to see a, like, Bayonetta setting darkness game, um but we know it doesn't happen and so it's it's very disappointing and the the prior to credits scene also feels like just kind of a a less effective version of the first darkness's ending because Blake we talked about how much the the darkness one ends with this kind of very saccharine like oh I'm lying on Jenny's lap everything is okay and then Jackie's like is this a dream and Jenny's like yep this is not real. You have to wake up. And this one ends with you freeing her from hell theoretically. And she says, I can't stay here long. And then you like hug her. And so it's kind of the same feeling of like you bought yourself a very brief moment of happiness, but it's it's a fiction. Um, but if the whole game was a lead up to just the ending of the darkness one again, it's hard to say, you know, like why the story was worth it. You know what happened. Yeah, make the darkness three. What what else is Digital Extremes doing? Making fucking Warframe. Nobody plays that shit. Making the most popular game. Um, <laughs> here's something that I noticed: the after credit scene is the only third person cutscene in the entire game. Yeah, because they that's they true. have to that's show true. the angel's ass, and so because of that, you get a third person view of Jackie. <laughs> it's true. I also picked up on that. I don't really like looking at Jackie. I'll be. I'm ready to say this now that we're done with. Done with the two games. I don't really like looking at him in either game. He looks stupid. I mean, the first game, he's literally the hatred character. Uh, yeah. And the second yeah. one. Yeah, in this game, they gave him kind of wavy hair, so he looks a little less like him. This dude, look, I, I'm A, not Italian, B, not in the Mafia. I think a dude like this would be laughed out of the Mafia <laughs> looking like that. Come on. Yeah, Come on Are you kidding me? Um all these made men, and then you have this dude who looks like he's the lead singer of The Cure. Like, doesn't look like Robert <laughs> Smith at all. Looks like he's the keyboard player of The Cure. Like, get out of here. Come on. He looks like, kind of like Peter Steele from Type on AOT, like something like that. Like this yeah, big guy yeah. with, like, long, dark hair. Yeah. That's a, that's a better pull than The Cure <laughs> Typo Negative. I like yeah. both. Um, I just don't want to see him anymore. The next game should never leave first person. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we've talked through the whole story, but I guess, you know, what what I want to hear, uh, Diego, especially from you, Darkness 2 fan number one, is kind of like 11 years after this game, does it have a legacy at all, you know, and and what, I don't know, like what, what do you think the Darkness 2's most lasting uh, effects are 
or should have been if they, you know, if, if it didn't actually have an impact. I think it's like, at least on my end, I don't think it's like, there's probably like a following of it. Uh, it's not like that huge of a thing. Like whenever it's like a new Nintendo Direct or like E3 comes around and the showcases start happening, I know that I'm the only one asking for, oh, they're probably going to show the right. honest three. And I'm fine with it. Uh, I think it, like part of his legacy is like, um, I don't know, it feels like one of those like odd uh, first-person shooters of that era that could only happen in that era. Uh, but they got like super close to like not be like, yeah, I don't know, like for example, the Ernest one. It's like, yeah, you have like all these gimmicks and like uh, all these things. And it's like, yeah, it's novel. Uh, it doesn't work uh, that great. And then they had like the second chance with the sec- with the sequel, um, and it feels great to play uh, most of the time. And it's like I don't want to say, oh yeah, this first person shooter like actually took a risk and like did something different. But there is something about that, um, and like yeah, I don't know. Like I, I also love love Doom uh, in like while seeing the 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 long play before recording. Uh, I also picked that up like oh this. Reminds me of like Lorcus, like I had completely forgotten about this. Um, so there are like these elements that are, like kind of got standard now. Like I wonder if there were like a darkness tree, uh, like at some point it's like okay, so what would they know it to be like at this point? Um, but like remembering this from like back then is like yeah, the darkness is like its own thing. Like it doesn't always like work. It's not like I don't know. It's not like the most perfect game to like revisit sometimes, especially the first. Um, but it's like it's the darkness. Like there's not like another game that does like that same thing, like almost similarly or like improves on it even. Uh, and and I think that's like what's still like appealing to me. Like I know that um, if I would have actually gotten the time to like go back and actually play it for this episode. Uh, I would be like even more thrilled of like how well probably some of those ideas hold up. So yeah, it, it's a shame that they kind of like they got a lot of things right, and it's like oh, I wish uh, they would have got like another chance to like I don't know, maybe like fail horribly or like do like the best thing ever. Like I don't think it's gonna be there. There would have been like an in between right. too. I almost feel like maybe this is wishful thinking. But it it feels like this game came out too early for me, you know, because when when Doom 2016 came out, people were so excited about like finally a first person shooter that like strips away all the bullshit and is really just about like amazing feels good shooting action. And I feel like if the darkness had come out in kind of that revival of like old school first-person shooter feeling games people would have praised it you know not not as much as doom 2016 but would have kind of like gotten what it was doing and instead i feel like it just released in this time when when it just kind of didn't fit you know when the biggest games were still like you know everyone was still really entranced with the new kind of call of duty modern warfare direction that games were going or something like Bioshock and Bioshock 2 and the immersive Sims or whatever, where it's like a kind of game like the darkness Two just did not really feel like it fit in, in that time period. And maybe it would 
you know, if it had released a couple years later, maybe people would have actually received it better. But maybe, you know, it's it's hard to be a five hour game and get get people really, really excited about you. So that's also true. Yeah, I mean, we talked about a similar thing with the Darkness One, right? Like where that game did come out and like at least critics were like freaking out over it. But two months later, Bioshock 1 comes out, and it's like, okay, so what happened to Darkness 1? Like, was it completely overshadowed by Bioshock coming out? Like, is that the reason we don't talk about the series more? Is, like, it just never had a real chance to leave a bigger footprint because of, like, various outside things going on in the game industry at that time? It's hard to say. It's all a bit of pontification. But, like, I kind of wish there was more because, like, the glory kill analogy... It makes it easy to be like, yeah, Darkness 2 maybe was a little ahead of its time. Because, like, we're seeing kind of glory kill type stuff show up in other games now. And it's like, well, fuck, man. This did it four years before Doom 2016 came out. Yeah, it's also, it's worth pointing out that, like, the Darkness 2 has a a five points lower meta score than the Darkness 1. Which, playing both, I mean, it's like, you know... One released in 2007, one released in 2012. So I know critics had different expectations and whatever, but like, mm, boy, do, are those two things uh, switched around from where they should be. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Um, the legacy for Darkness 2 for me is Game Whip's ass. Bring it back. That's right. Here's... Th- this is the last the last uh, completely meaningless thing that I have to say is this game ends in almost exactly the same way as Metal Hellsinger, which came out last year, because Metal Hellsinger at the end is also like, get ready to fight heaven. Uh, and it would be very funny if that game also didn't get a sequel. And we just had <laughs> these series of games promising that you were going to get to kill angels and then never actually following through on it well my new headcanon is the sequel to darkness 2 is neon white and brother Ooh, I'm having a blast. that's great we should get them to confirm mm. that that's right uh, you probably could you could the you could tweet anything at neon white and they'll just be like fuck yeah dude <laughs> like they have a wild twitter account <laughs> Yeah, uh, Diego. Before before we end for today, uh, you want to tell people where they can kind of read some more of your stuff or hear you or you know get get more Diego in their life. <laughs> get more. Yeah, if you want to see uh, this guy asking for a game that's probably never gonna happen, uh, you can <laughs> find me on Twitter at Diego Arwello sixty six. That's Arwello. Uh, and yeah, I uh, run a games website where people can. Uh, are more than encouraged to pitch me, especially if they are uh, only starting out in the game space, called Into the Spine. Uh, I also host a podcast about Ace Attorney uh, with a wonderful host and colleague, Shea Costello, um, called Turn uh, About Breakdown. That's at Breakdown AA. Uh, and yeah, I'm writing in places like uh, Game Informer and Polygon and Diverge and a couple others. So yeah, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for in, coming on. indulging this guy who only, always tweets about the darkness. Yeah. Our, our first guest in years. I was like, Jacob, we got to get Diego on. If we're covering the darkness, there's one guest we get, and it's Diego. There are, there are very few people who are still beating the drum about the darkness, and so I'm glad. I'm very glad to have found one of them. However... Let me come to Diego's defense and say, I'm a believer now. I am with you. That's right. Put out the fucking Darkness 3. And as far as I know, you know what would be interesting? And I'm not going to do this. 
But it would be interesting to go play the Warframe games and be like, okay, what's the design or mechanical lineage from the Darkness 2, if anything? I was also thinking mm. that. But Warframe is one of those games that people are like, once you play 80 hours, it really opens up. And I'm like, no, thank you. Mm. Um, Here's the thing you got to know about me. I'm not going to play 80 hours of my favorite game of all time. So I'm not going to do that for like Warframe. You beat Persona 5. Dark Sector came out before. Oh, sorry. Uh, What'd you say, Dan? Dark Sector? Dark Sector came out before the yes, darkness, it did. right? Uh, Dark Sector, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. that's another game that I've been saying we should play on this podcast. So I, it was fun to uh, hear mm. that they had made that. Anyway, next week is going to be our Q and A listener special. So if you have thoughts, feelings, questions about the Darkness One or Two, or just in general about the podcast, you can email those to something rotten podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is something rotten podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to answering all of your questions. And uh, for Blakehester, my name is Jacob Geller. Uh, we are Darkness 3 fanatics now. We will not rest until we get that game to come out. Next season, we're doing Darkness 2 again. Yeah.